You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. Making Money Online is sponsored by Nicola J. Rowley PR, helping entrepreneurs and brands in the leisure and entertainment industries get visible through strategic storytelling. If you're serious about being seen and impacting the lives of others, harnessing the power of PR is the best way to grow and scale your business. Visit nicolarowley.com for more details and read Nicola's Amazon best-selling book, The Power of PR. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. So a lot of my listeners, I would say quite a huge percentage of my listeners are mothers. Not everybody. Some take care of nieces, nephews, friends. But I wanted to bring on somebody that can help you with your relationship with your child, because I think that as business people, we can live in quite chaotic lives. And often we worry about the relationships with our kids. I know that I often do. Um, So I have brought somebody on who is an expert in this, Katie Prattley. So Katie helps mums have happier homes and amazing relationships with their tweens and teens. So welcome to the podcast, Katie. Hi, I'm excited to be here. I want to go back to your childhood because your childhood was chaotic and it's kind of why you got into this in the first place. So tell us a bit about what happened to you. Yeah, it's exactly why I got into it. So yeah, those two words, chaotic and challenging. I had a steady, I suppose what you could call middle-class upbringing, Um, until I was about 10 and then my parents divorced me it was a catalyst that to be honest even as adults we're still feeling the effects of now that everything got thrown up in the air and it resulted when I was about 14 being taken to care at 16 I mean this is the mid 90s very different now you were out of the care system on your own in a bed sit just on income support so I had I think it was 37, 35 pounds a week. My food budget was five pounds sixty, and it, you know, it was it was really hard. But as a kid, I didn't realise how hard it was. I also didn't think I was a kid. Um, and I got myself to university, went off to university, and it was still followed that very middle class programmed into me route of what success was, how to be good, and then left university um, and followed the how to be good route of what a career was, became a teacher. And I still teach part-time now. So I'm 20 years into that career working with teenagers. And seven years ago, I had my son and everything changed for me. So I'd never really felt massively fulfilled as a teacher, but I didn't have the confidence and the strength of character to go and chase what I had always really wanted to do. I had all these different dreams. And when I was a teenager, I was a real go-getter. So there was, there was nothing that I wouldn't do. I dreamed big and went big. I remember when it was work experience at GCSEs, everyone was sort of writing to their local shop or their local care home. I went and got some pre-internet, obviously, something called the White Book, which had every media company, recording company. And I wrote to loads of TV companies and magazines because I, I was in Somerset at the time. I was going to go to London and do my work experience. And I ended up working at the TV Times for a week. I think they had a bit of a shock when a 15-year-old turned up in an A-line denim miniskirt. Cause <laughs> they thought I, was, I don't know why they thought it, because my letter requesting it was a poem with stars all over it but they took me in anyway that was that was the kind of person I was but by the time I was 18 19 20 
I think the the trauma of those last year, 10 years caught up with me and I went quite off the rails and I lost that desire to go for my dreams. And really, I think I went into teaching because I was hiding, hiding from all the things I wanted to do, the things that would be challenging, the things that would kick me out of my comfort zone. So that's, that was where I was with my childhood. And when I had my son, that was a, another catalyst to break through those limiting walls that I built up because I wanted to be the model for my son where he saw you can do anything. I didn't want him to witness a parent doing a job all her life that wasn't the, wasn't the dream or, or was in fear. So a question there, when you were younger, you were this go-getter. You like, even though you'd had this chaotic background, you'd been taken into care, you still had that spark of wanting to do the things that you really wanted to do is having the dream. Where did that come from? There's always the debate of nature and nurture, isn't there? And I think with that, it was just in my nature. I was a fiery child. I'm not massively woo, but if you looked into my horoscope, everything there is, you know, I'm a fire sign, I'm ambitious, I'm forthright. And in some ways, some of those were highly criticised traits as as a child, definitely. So I just think that's who I was. And I also think a lot of that was masking the the fieriness, the confidence, the bravado was masking, particularly when I was older, actually, the scared, broken person that I think inside my childhood has made me, certainly in my 20s. I know people talk about their 20s as a great decade. And for me, it it was the worst decade because I I think all of that trauma that I'd plowed through when I needed to in complete survival mode, when I didn't when all that was over in my 20s, it was when everything started sort of shaking and crumbling down. I just felt this real unhappiness and a divide between who I genuinely felt I was inside and the life I'd created around me. And then that happens a lot. I think that we don't often feel the effects of trauma until till years later when we're allowed yeah. to feel it because we're not in a fight or flight situation where we yeah. have, to, have to stay strong. And I mean, I work with clients now who sometimes in their 40s, when their children have grown up, 40s and 50s, and they, they can now be calm, that's when they feel the trauma of their child. Yeah, which is yeah absolutely. When I had my son, I then retrained. I did a couple of years training as a counsellor and then I shifted over to life coaching. So within those modalities, there was a lot of working on myself. And to be honest, I feel like I've read a manual, I'm still reading a manual, on who I am in the last um, seven years. And I think a lot of that is my age. You know, I'm mid-40s now. I think we all tend to start reading the manual of ourselves around this time. But a lot of that is through the self-reflective work of training in in those modalities and it was that that made me think you know I want to work I want to work with parents because I was initially as a coach working with midlife crisis women who were like me getting to a point in their lives and going what the hell is this none of this fulfills me I I worked with really successful women um, who on paper they, they had the degree they had the postgraduate degree they had the job um, there was one particular woman that I worked with. She had a high paying salary, but was so deeply unhappy and so stuck. And the, every time the same story came up, well, I never really knew what I wanted to do, but I knew that the good thing to do was go and do A-levels and the good thing to do was go and get the recognized degree. And then after that, I just fell into this and I'm still doing it. And I thought the real thing to do would be to work with parents so that actually 
we can foster those relationships with our tweens and teens so that they're not growing up following this template of shoulds and oughts, but actually we foster our, our parenting in a way so we have that strong connection and a strong attachment so that they have a space to grow up in that is truly authentic to them. And then they feel safe to do it. And then they feel safe to do it. Because I, I think often we parent in a way that comes from our own fear, yeah. that, because we want our children to sometimes do better than us, but to do well, to be able to look after ourselves. And so we end up also buying into that narrow cast success criteria that school taught us that school is still teaching our kids and so our kids are too scared to reach out of their comfort zones to reach out for what would really fulfill them and go for the safe jobs as well and we see this everywhere because we're not taught business in schools and yet so many now gen z and millennials it's normal for them in their heads to go, well, I don't want a job. I'm going to work yeah. myself. It's becoming more and more normal to think this way. And yet no yeah. one's teaching us it. No. It's being modelled only by people that are around them and people that they see. Um, it is mm. still normal to go to university. And yet statistics tell us that so many people that come out of university are in no better position than the people. No better position. Yeah. Especially now that you're coming out of £50,000 of debt. You know, I, I think I was the last couple of years that um, didn't pay fees and, and had grants. The government paid me to go to university, which seems so ridiculous now. But for me, when I went through the education system, education gave me, gave me um, freedom, really, because it, it, it allowed me to go and start growing as an adult in a way which perhaps with my background would have been harder if I hadn't had that drilled into me as this sort of the natural way of thinking was go down the education route but I see it all the time now working in schools and in 20 years the sense of well-being and mental health has declined and the anxiety disorders and the sense of stress and worry has steeply inclined uh, in my opinion no, I think um, and I think there are many great things about the education system but I think one of the ways that we're failing is that it's not modern enough we're not modernizing it we're still teaching them this narrow set of subjects which is fine because we can't teach to everyone the message that's being portrayed to kids is you've got to be good at all these things and that's what will make you successful but actually there are very very few of us which become successful from that narrow view so there's uh, generations of kids coming out that just have this innate sense of not being good enough yeah. because they think they need to be good at everything. And, and actually, um, they don't need to be good at everything. And also, they don't need to be good at any of those things that are taught. So I wasn't good yeah. at school. I left school at 16, same as you. But I didn't then go into an education system after that. And, you know, people might say I've done OK, because I think a lot of it is just working out what you are good at as a person individually. What is your strength? And that might be nothing to do with the things that you're taught. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that is saying only about that safe space to sort of find out who you are is a really critical thing that we need to do as parents. And actually, one of, one of the reasons why I've come on is to talk about uh, my book that's coming out in at the end of November, 30th of November. And that's one of the things, it's four teenagers that I talk about in there is working out what success is to you. Because we're taught this criteria of success. 
but often that is not what success is to us. And so it's, it's really talking to these teenagers about trying to get in touch with who you are authentically, because from that, you can work out what your success is. I love that. And I know you don't think of teenagers sitting down really thinking about what does success look like yeah. is authentically real for me. What's the book called? Dream Big Thing Limitless. So it, it teaches them. It, everything about it is about trying to teach them how to understand themselves. I think teenagers are the most misunderstood group, uh, like in the age group, by parents, by the media, everything. But the group that understands them the least is themselves. Because there's so much changing in their brains around that, that, that time that they, they don't understand that the things that they are thinking, and I think a lot of adults don't understand this about themselves either, the things that they are thinking are not necessarily true, but we think that they're true. So we, you become this self-fulfilling prophecy. So the book asks them, first of all, to get in touch with, you know, what is, who are you? What is your big dream? And for some people, it will be to become a doctor or to go to university and, and do what I've sort of been referring to as the straightforward success-defined careers. But for others, it's not at all. And, and for some people, in fact, some of the happiest, most fulfilled people I know, career people I know, are people who left school at 16. And then they were in their mid-20s before they decided what they wanted to do and, and retrained in that area but because they mean, waited until they knew themselves. Yeah, but isn't it really hard that we're supposed to know at about 14 yeah. what we want yeah. to do as adults because that's when you're choosing, you know, your different GCSEs and that kind of thing. At 14, I didn't know what yeah. I wanted to do uh, until I was in my 30s. And the attached sense of failure to a certain extent, if you don't know, what do you want to be? Um, I don't know. There's, there's kind of a, you don't know what you want to do. Well, you know, when I was 14... You know, I wanted to be a, a, a singer and an actress. Nothing wrong with that. I actually should have followed that path. That was, the, that was my big dream that I gave up on because I didn't have that framework of self-belief. No. So I, I didn't feel capable of doing it. Um, but the amount of people, if I said that to them at 14, that would poo-poo it because it just seemed like, oh, yes, whatever, such a silly thing. But actually, you know, why not? Yeah. In the book, I talk about um, how to work out and harness who you are. And part of that is actually thinking, well, what do I find easy? What do I, because why not do the thing that's easy? You know, what do I lose myself in? What do I get a state of, into a state of flow in? Because those are the things that are going to make you get through the hard days of work, or they're going to be the thing that light you up. If you can do something that lights you up, that's brilliant. And it, you know, it goes on to, in one chapter, there's lots and lots of tasks in it of how to create that big dream and then how, how to create a big plan. But it's teaching the brain science behind it all the time of what's going to come up for you. Well, imposter syndrome is going to come up and this is what it feels like. And this is what it sounds like. And here's how you can overstep it. So that it, it's like one big framework. So they will leave it, leave, hopefully leave at the end of the book with a greater sense of who they are, what they want to do, a plan to get there and recognize all the signs that their brain's going to do. Constantly whispering their ear saying, oh, no, you can't do that. And realize that's not true. And I can actually go and do what I want to do. And then hopefully we won't have loads of men and women in their mid-40s going, oh, my God, this isn't who I needed to be. Yeah, it's Hopefully like, they will be going, I did it, I nailed it, yeah. I've done what I wanted to do. And getting it from the root cause, because there's yeah. a reason that these 40-year-olds are waking up going, is this it? And it's because they haven't followed the path that they wanted to. And I think sometimes with teenagers, we don't give them enough credit. Like, we think of them as, well, they don't really know what, what they're doing and yeah. what they want to do. I know, I know better, because yeah. I'm an adult. 
But actually, we all got it so right. (laughs) Yeah. When I think back to my teen years, it's the most ambitious I was. It's when I knew what I wanted to do the most. I also wanted to be an actress and wasn't able to do so. I wasn't in an environment where anyone would nurture anything so ridiculous as being an actress. But actually, I found it easy. And now when I look like it seemed like an impossible pipe dream then. And now when I look back, I could easily have done it. Like when I look yeah. at, I could easily have done it. it. I could easily have learned how to do, how to do that and been successful at it. And, mm. I see that and I know, luckily, other things took the place of that that I was also very interested in. But as a teenager, there was no part of me going, "Well, I can't do this." I didn't have that in my head yet. I thought, "Well, other people can do it, so I can do it." But I see that happen with teenagers all the time. One of my sons said in front of quite a lot of people, "I I want to be a um, YouTube star." I want to make my own content and go onto YouTube. Yeah. Oh, you better have a plan B. And I was like, well, doesn't he? I heard that all the time. <laughs> yeah. My son says the same. He says that he's absolutely, I mean, he's only seven, but he he loves all that and, and would really love to do it. And I heard myself saying, well, you know, it's not. And then I stopped myself and I was like, no, you can do that if you want to. But when you're a bit older and I'll help you, because actually it's a full-time job and all those people that you see on television that are children, they've got a full-time adult working behind them but I don't feel at seven. I want your face all over everything, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I have to stop myself because that innate structure is still in me. Of course, in all of us. Go the same it's, route. Yeah, it's in all of us. Yeah. So I have to hear it and go, no, quieten that. Yeah. If he wants to do that, he can do that. But he's got to do it in, he's got to know the safe way to do it, the best way to do it. So he's not just flinging himself on TikTok dodgily. Being okay with failure and teaching people, especially kids, that failure is okay because they might want to do something that doesn't work. But I would much rather, and we care about them, right? So we want them to have the best chance. And that's the reason that we go straight back to, well, maybe you should, you know, try Mm. and go to university and all that because we want the best for them. And our mind that that might be a better plan. But actually, as long as we're okay with failure and we say, well, yeah, you should try that. Not everybody makes it, but at least you'll have given it a good go and it might lead you on to something else. And I think that being able to let kids fail is a good thing. I see a lot of parents not allowing kids to fail and berating yeah. them when they haven't, you know, did you do your best? Why didn't you come yeah. in the top 10? And I think if you have that innate sense of I am not allowed to fail, you'll never try anything. And there's two points I want to make there. One of them is that is also built into the school system. A huge sense, and this has increased as well in 20 years, a huge fear in these kids of failure. So much so that a vast proportion of any class I teach, they're uncomfortable giving their ideas or their answers in case they get it wrong. And one of the things that I say to them all the time is I'm not bothered about people getting things wrong. What I'm bothered about is you're not trying. In fact, I want, I've, got it, I've got it on the wall in the classroom that I want them to try and fail every day because if they're not failing every day, then they're not trying every day. And I also have to keep reminding myself of that lesson all the time. It's, it's okay, give it a go. It doesn't have to be perfect. Because these the things that I, I've really written a book for myself as a teenager, but also still as a 40-year-old woman, <laughs> because these things have still come up for me so much that this fear is still ruling me. I'm still trying to push myself outside of the comfortable all the time because the the pull to go back into comfort is still so strong for me. But it was interesting listening to you there when you were talking about parents and and trying to foster this idea that they can do anything and and keep your own mouth shut of go the safe way. 
because when I speak to parents, one of the things that I try to encourage them to do is when we have small children, we are the circle around our child and we sort of tell them what to do. And that's how we foster strong connection and attachment. But when they become tweens and teens, it's, a, it's one of the big reasons that we clash so much with our kids is that they naturally pull away from us. And we still want to be in that circle. We still want to be guiding it and telling them what to do to keep them safe. And I know that comes from love, but the work there is on ourselves because we need to step back and become not the guide anymore, the instructor, but become the coach and become, you know, the advisor, the person that helps them reflect. And that's exactly what you were just saying is asking the right questions and getting them to think about what they're doing, getting them to make those decisions. Yeah, it's, it's And that means giving them that space. Yeah, and I think it's good to give that space. My kids decided they wanted to be entrepreneurs and they were going to start a business. And they started it and a huge part of me was going, you're going to fail because of the things that you're doing. And then I realised that I should let them fail so that they could learn something from it and see that nothing bad happens when you fail. And so they started this subscription box and it went really well at the beginning and they were doing really well. And then they got bored and I could see it. And I could, you know, there's a lesson on visibility here. So I was like, okay, what would I tell a client to do? Tell them they, they need to be more visible. So I said to them, if you want this to be successful, you've got to like keep showing up. And they were like, yeah, but yeah, it's boring. I was like, yeah, the, the things that make your money do get boring. That is, that is right. And then they, they failed because they weren't visible. And they said, oh, we haven't made any money on it this month. And I was like, why is that? And they said, because we weren't visible. And I was like, yeah. And so it's now up to you whether you want that to work or or whether it's not worth it for you. And they didn't do it. And so when we talk about it now, they're like, oh yeah, we had a business, but it failed, but they don't see that as any kind of bad thing. It's like, probably do another one at some point. We've got some more ideas, but that one failed, but they do not see it with the negativity of a 40 year old who would themselves up so much if they the business and actually if we can do that if we can even to our 40 year old selves allow ourselves to try things and to be okay with that failure and to know that it doesn't mean that's the end of it you can do something else you can start mm. again then everybody's gonna stop comparing themselves to others stop having imposter syndrome stop it's all about failure because that's yeah. the thing we're all scared of yeah because we've, we've all grown up with this idea that failure is bad and what's everyone going to say? And this idea that you can only show up in the shop window way where everything's perfect. I speak from myself as well with that. And I think it's, again, coming back to the idea that if we can teach this to the younger generation so they see that perfectionism is actually a bad thing because the amount of them that say, oh, I'm a perfectionist, like it's a big badge of honour, when actually it's a terrible thing. Oh, it yeah. comes from fear that's the worst thing that you can be, then we will be shaping the next generation to be going forward and being authentically themselves, free to fail, free to build that and see that as a positive, a building block of positive evidence about their character rather than negative. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I'm really excited to read your book. I'm definitely going to give it to the twins so that they can read it as well. We will put the book 
link in the show notes. But thank you for being here today and having this discussion. I could talk about this all day because obviously mine are at the age, they're they're turning 12 um, this week. And so all of these things are coming up where they are pulling away and they're telling me, well, no, my friends say this, you're wrong. And it's really interesting to me to see that pull away and to let Mm -hmm. them do it and see see what happens. I want their own brains to make up minds about things. And so it's really interesting to me. But yeah, thanks for being here. And Thank you, everybody, for listening to this. I know that you're not all parents out there, but you're all coming into contact with kids at some point. And so it's really good for you to know this stuff and how you can help not even mold the next generation, because even that I don't like the phrase of, but how you can help the next generation in what they're doing and and how they're going to grow up and how they're going to see the world so that they can see it differently, maybe, than we did when we were younger. I will be back next week with another episode of Making Money Online. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, I would love you to go and give me a review and I will see you then. Have a good week, whatever it is you're doing. Thank you for listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson. If you'd like to get hold of my guide to launching, go to lisajohnson.com forward slash launch and let's get you making money online.